Greetings, groovers, seekers of sophistication, lovers of literature, how you doing? This is Resonance 104.4 FM, flipping marvellous. I'm Nick Hennigan, and it's Literary London. Yes, we talk about, well, literature in London. And this week, Christmas treat, 1st of December, ding dong and all that, of course, unless you're listening to the replay, or you're listening on the podcast at londonliteraryfubcrawl.com. Uh, it won't be the 1st of December, but it is at the moment. And uh, time for another Christmas treat. The uh, incredible performer Ken Campbell died 10 years ago uh, in uh, November. His daughter, Daisy, has created a show called Daughter of Pigspurt. We uh, played uh, episode one, I suppose, of her live show. We've got highlights of her recorded show that she very kindly allowed us to record at the British uh, Library. Uh, And it's time for part two. So enjoy the next half hour or so. And I should point out... It's an adult show, and the the language is occasionally choice, and there are some grown-up themes. You've been warned, but it's great fun. Anyway, back to my present dilemma. I've overfed my storyteller with too many setups, and I'm not feeling at all well. I've got this awful fungal toe, and all my hippie mates keep telling me, oh yeah, that means there's something wrong with your gut, and so they send me along to this nutritionist woman who says, yes, no, they're quite right. What it is is you've got a fungal overgrowth due to too much acidity in your gut. And uh, she explains to me that this, uh, this fungal overgrowth is called mycotoxins. And actually, this fungi has a really important job to do. Its job is to eat me after I'm dead. <laughs> but so... Um, has been my diet and lifestyle and whatnot. They've got underway with this task already. (laughs) This ought to have been wake-up call enough, but I couldn't seem to get to grips with anything, not even attempting to vanquish the the, the fungi that was prematurely eating my corpse. And Thankfully, my great mate um, Kate phoned me up and she'd had a dream about me. Big news. You don't mess with Kate's dreams. She's uh, the keeper of the chariot card, incidentally. And uh, she explains to me, she explains to me, in this dream, I'm in this kind of well-lit, quite posh room, uh, 50 or so other people, maybe some kind of workshop or something like that. And, um, and the, uh, we sort of, above my head, she said, hovered the words big mind. Anyway, we sort of brainstormed for a while. Oh, that sounds, I thought it was quite complimentary. So anyway, we were brainstorming for a while what this... Uh, what this dream might mean, and uh, and then I just googled Big Mind Workshop, and yeah, it's a thing, and it was booking for two weeks hence in Paris. <laughs> Have you heard of this technique? It's rather brilliant, actually. It was invented by this American Zen priest called Genpo Roshi as his way of using the West's familiarity with psychology to access these really high Zen meditative states. Uh, So the idea is that if we get to talk to all these different selves that reside within us, then we might not block the possibility of talking to our most cosmic self. And uh, anyway, yeah, I think, Christ, all right, I scraped together the cash, not cheap. And uh, and I find myself two weeks later in this this workshop in Paris. And uh, there Genpo sits on a high stool at the front. And yes, it's kind of a posh, well-lit room. There's about 50 or so of us there. And, uh, and he explains how it's going to work. He's going to ask to, each, uh, ask to speak to each of these different voices. Our job 
is to, um, is to speak from the first person, so from the point of view of that voice. If we want to talk about this third person, Daisy, then we talk about this sort of other character over here. And it's to be kind of obvious, you know, sort of say the most obvious thing we can think of, not to be a smart ass. He might ask to speak to that bit of us later. Anyway, so, so I think first of all he asked to speak to the gatekeeper, and the gatekeeper, it turns out, has the job of, of granting access or not to inquisitive Zen priests and the like. And uh, there's a bit of discussion. Will we be letting him go any further? Yeah, we'll let him carry on a bit. And so he asks to speak to the next voice. He says, I'd like to speak to the voice of the skeptic. Who am I speaking to? We say, uh, skeptic. He says, yeah, okay, what is your role? Well, to be sceptical. Yeah. And uh, why is that? Well, because otherwise Daisy gets caught up in all this mumbo-jumbo constantly. That's right, so you're protecting the cell. Yeah. Okay, well, what else are you sceptical about? Are you sceptical about this workshop? Yeah, Christ, we are. Yes, yes. Well, what else? And we throw out this and that. We're sceptical about this. We're sceptical about... He says, are you sceptical about scepticism itself? Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> and I'm thinking of what my dad used to say to me. He's saying, now listen, Daisy, don't believe anything. Nothing which is the product of a human mind is a fitting subject for your belief. But you can suppose anything, and you should, because supposing is very mind-expanding, you see. It's very mind-widening. So, uh, you know, I suppose in fairies, suppose in flying saucers. I suppose you could suppose in God. You could suppose that one of the big religions had actually got it right, right down to the last nut and bolt. But don't believe it, Dave. So anyway, we hang out with the sceptic for a while, and then uh, Genpo asks to speak to the next voice. He says, I'd like to speak to the voice of the damaged cell. Who am I speaking to? The damaged cell. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and what is your role? To be damaged? That's right. Will you ever not be damaged? No. No. But what does the self try to do to you? Tries to annihilate me. Yeah. But what value do you offer the self? I mean, I hold all the damage. And I'm thinking of all those trips I made to visit my dad when he lived in Epping Forest. And uh, we'd go and walk the dogs together. Dad, anything of note? That's what he'd say whenever we met. <laughs> Dad, anything of note? Uh, I'd, uh, I told him I was having my second child. He said, oh, Christ. Oh, no, what are you going to do now? Uh, you'll have to become a novelist. <laughs> Dad, anything of note? I'd, uh, I'd started running workshops for the completely creatively stuck. Ah, he said, I'm hooking the dogs from their ropes. The dogs always seem to need a lot of ropes. <laughs> ah, for the first time ever, your life looks almost possible. <laughs> Done anything of note. I'd, uh, I'd written a short play and staged it at this little festival. It was about reincarnation. I started to tell him about it. Anyway, he said, interrupting, have you seen The Wire? 
<laughs> and Gecko's voice rings out once more. He says, a light to speak to the voice of the seeker. The seeker. That's what my dad used to call his audiences. Now nah, he said seekers. Exactly. If I was honest with myself, that's what I was really doing in Paris. I was seeking. I was seeking good material to feed my storyteller. I just wanted to feed my setup addiction. <coughs> but in my heart of hearts, I knew that it was time to start looking for the payoffs. And I'd muttered to a few friends back home about maybe, you know, maybe 10 year anniversary of my dad's death coming up and maybe I should finally do something with all this stuff. Maybe I should do a show called Pigspert's Child or Pigspert's Daughter or both, just to really confuse everyone. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and they'd looked at me really concerned and said, no, you know, maybe it's time to do something, you know, sort of separate from your dad. And I remembered, oh yes, that's right, I am supposed to be trying to get out of his arsehole. <laughs> but I thought, you know, listen, fuck it, I've at least got to get this crap out of my house. I mean, this has been clogging up every inch of it, it's under every bed, it's in the loft, it's in every single cupboard drawer of the whole thing. So I thought, look, I'm going to at least hire one of these uh, storage units and get everything out. Man, they're so expensive, these storage units, so you really have to stack the stuff incredibly high. So I'd managed to get this absolute bargain, $9.99, these screw fix shelves that I'd lined up in this storage unit, and I got everything out of the thing and up into the shelves. Oh, God, that felt good. But it wasn't the day to start actually um, sorting it out yet. No, not yet. And uh, anyway, then one day it was. And as I made my way through the sort of labyrinth of people's crap, I, uh, I felt a new kind of resolve in me, and I finally I made my way to my one, put my code in the padlock, 2323, and, uh, oh, fucking hell! Those cheap fucking screw-fix shelves have completely collapsed under the weight of my dead father's prodigious upper. They're blocking the door entirely, and I can see all his life's work all scrunched up there, and I just wept. I just wept for my dad and for all his scrunched up work and for the fucking screwfix shelves. <laughs> and then I thought, no, 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 no. I'm going to get into that storage unit if it kills me. Now listen, you've got a picture of it, right? They haven't just sort of toppled over. They have literally buckled and they are forming this kind of intersection point across the doorway and in the middle of this intersection point is this kind of cardboard box or squash there yeah and i and i think okay if i can just open up the cardboard box shove through whatever's in there then there's just a chance that i might be able to kind of work my way in through the cardboard box and then sort everything out from the inside once i'm in there so i open up this um cardboard box and inside is my father's flesh-coloured fat suit. It's <laughs> really stinky old nasty dirty thing this. And uh, so I'm sort of trying to get it out but it's completely stuck in the whole kind of buckled mess. I can't get it out at all and so I think, okay there's only one thing for it. I'm going to have to go 
through the fat And I'm in. And Genpo's voice rings out. I'd like to speak to the vulnerable child. Who am I speaking to? The vulnerable child. Just take a moment to feel what it's like to be you. Are there any words that describe you? Innocent? Impressionable? you say that you are in some ways at the heart of the self? You're kind of the essence, yeah? Yeah. And there I am in this collapsed storage unit, surrounded by this lifetime's work, my dad's work. And that dad That was when I found the fairy brain. You see that? Fairy brain? You see? Little fairy brain. <laughs> You'd bought me a caravan for my 30th birthday. And, uh, and, and me and the kids had come to your place to, um, to collect it. It was, it was this funny little battered second-hand caravan, and we all stood around on your driveway in, uh, in Essex, and you were smoking a cigar, and I said, we're like something out of a Mike Lee movie. <laughs> you said, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, we are, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, caravan for a little maiden voyage to a local Essex campsite and we'd really wanted you to come with us but you you had an audition for something so you couldn't come and man you'd have loved this place it was so funny it was all kind of low rent butlings all push pineapple shake a tree and grubby little cheeky Essex kids running about the place and stuff and um, you phoned me that night I almost didn't take it. I screened your calls quite a lot because they so often degenerated into you telling me what a failure you thought I was. <laughs> but, uh, but I took this one. And man, you were on such good form. The audition had been a complete hoot. You'd, um, you'd managed to make the auditioning lady snort her tea up all over her auditioning papers. And you considered this an absolute triumph. And, um, and you loved hearing about the, uh, the grubby little Essex kids and the push pineapple and everything. And man, we chatted merrily for, for ages. And, and I remember thinking afterwards, God, man, I'd always take your calls if they were like that. <laughs> and um, anyway, the next morning we woke up and I had these weird red spots all over my face, just from nowhere. Weird red spots. Anyway, me and the family, we went for a last little walk in Epping Forest before making our way back to your place for some lunch. And that was when my daughter found the fairy brain. It was just um, a little mushroom with strange striations, but it really, really did look just like a little brain there. And so we picked it really carefully and we took it back and showed it to an old boy that we were camped near at the campsite. And he said, oh yeah, that's a morel, that is. Oh yeah, highly prized mushroom, the morel. Very rare in the UK. 
And so my daughter, she, uh, she put it to bed in this matchbox and spent the morning decorating it. And she said, I'm going to give this to Grandpa, because Grandpa likes fairy brains. <laughs> and uh, on the drive back to yours, I kept pulling down the mirror to check these weird red spots all over my face. And uh, anyway, we got back to yours and, and parked up, and Greg and the kids were farting around with the caravan and everything. And I went and, uh, and knocked on the door, but there was no answer. So I tried the handle, it was open, so I went inside. Doris was out of her cage. That was odd. And I could hear the dogs whining from the next door room. Awful whining. And as I crept round, I could see that they were shivering and shaking and they were curled up around something. And as I got nearer, I saw that it was you. And I saw your arm completely still, big blue splodges all over your arm. And I raced out and I told the kids, just wait in the car, just wait in the car. And then I got low, I got low. And I phoned my mum and then I phoned 999. And I really wanted to come and sit with you. I just didn't dare and so I left the dogs and the parrot to wait for the paramedics. And they smile inappropriately when they arrive because there's nothing they can do. You're long dead. And the red spots have completely disappeared. Lithuania. Mushrooms are said to be gifts from the dead to the poor. Did you know that uh, mycelium, which is like the root structure of fungi, it predates all other vegetation on this planet by over 300 million years? Did you know that the largest living organism on this planet right now is mycelium. Did you know we share over half our DNA with fungi? I learned all this from this extraordinary woman that I met who felt compelled to share her mycelic vision with me uh, after I'd slipped her the high priestess card. <laughs> and um, her mycelic vision was this. She said this earth mother, Daisy, that people talk about it's not just the earth in general, it has a much more ancient and specific meaning than that. The earth mother is the mycelium and it's sentient. I said, I don't know about that, but I said it's a brilliant metaphor, isn't it, for underground culture? Because you see, you have to have all these threads of mycelium cross over and there has to be enough at this critical crossing point, for a mushroom to appear, seemingly overnight. 
And in the same way, there beneath the ground, the psychonauts, the freaks, the outsider artists, and they're all following their own little threads. They don't really know why they're following and they're crossing over. And where enough of them cross over, whoomph, a cultural mushroom will appear seemingly overnight. And, the, and the, you know, the world at large, it can see the mushroom for sure, but it can never see that network of underground threads, that culture. We buried my dad in, um, in a woodland burial park in Epping Forest. And at the, uh, at the top of his grave with a wooden marker is a, it's a wooden marker with the profile of his face cut out of it, like the missing piece of a jigsaw puzzle. And at the bottom there's a quote from Pigsford. It says, there is something I must do. And back in the uh, collapsed storage unit, and I've come across one of my dad's more recent projects, The History of Comedy, Part One, Ventriloquism. And uh, in here, I find this note to himself that says, due to my recent athlete's foot of the arse, <laughs> I've, uh, I've started to walk funny and may have made, therefore opened up my gastromantical abilities. <laughs> Gastromancy, well man, now I really know what, what mission I'm on and I'm searching around and of course I find the answer in here. Uh, gastromancy, yes. Gastromancers sense out spirits rectally. <laughs> when they come in, they sweep a place around with their hindquarters, gastromantical thinking being that spirits dwell below, and that the gastromancer's objective is to hoover up the unquiet, which will then speak through the wall of the stomach. <laughs> and then I hit the jackpot. Here's an excerpt from circa 1860 attributed to Henry Mayhew. Here an old gastromancer from Peckham reveals the secrets of his trade. The whole enterprise is your bumbo. These are your cakes. In between the cakes is the touche or patootie, sometimes called the grumper. And it was the grumper what does the dowsing. The, uh, the tricksy bit of uploading the spirit, demon, or departed is done by backdoor trumpet inhale, <laughs> chuff or hack pipe up suction, not the easiest thing, and then once you've got her in and it's bunch tight your bansy strings and keep her moving right up the loon pipe, well clear of the labonza, Keep her sweet, and by and by she'll talk. But keep her sweet, mind, cause a narky sprite will prompt a beef tea blowback. <laughs> and I know I'm supposed to be getting out of my father's asshole, but the truth is I love it in here. <laughs> when Genpo asks to speak to the next voice. The inclusion of this next one is a little controversial, but recent personal events have led me to believe that its inclusion is very important. So, 
I would like to speak to the voice of the asshole. <laughs> Who am I speaking to? The asshole. Yeah. And what is your role? Well, it's to be a complete and utter asshole. And then I'm getting a strange sensation in my bumbo. <laughs> the grumper is definitely picking something up. You're not supposed to stand up at these things, but it's like this force is pushing me up out of my chair. Genpo, he sees my discomfort and he seeks to reassure me. Oh, yes, there can be some powerful energy trapped in you. Get the powerful energy, all right? Christ, I knew what was coming. I'd read the gastromancer's instructions. Backdoor trumpet inhale. Cat pipe absorption. And it was in and heading straight up the loon pipe. Genko says, what is your role? I'm pig spurt. Yeah, I've come from below, from the great mother, your high priestess. She nearly got there. She sussed that the mycenium is sentient, but she didn't make that last leap. Come on, Daisy, think. Where do you think the consciousness of the dead resides? It's in the mycelium. That is the vast active living intelligence system that Philip K. Dick was on about. And he's down here. Oh, and that kid you killed with your David Bowie reading. <laughs> We're all here. And now you know how to suck us through into your world. The clues were there with your fungal toe and your corpse-eating mycotoxins and my athlete's foot of the arse. <laughs> Genpo says, looking rather shaken, so what is your role? I've come to take over Daisy's storyteller. Come on, girl, enough of the setups. It's time for some payoffs. We are going to the end of the line. I say, wait. Wait just one moment. Do you mean to tell me that finally you're stuck up my arsehole? <laughs> <laughs> there was a burst of maniacal laughter and then oh god. Oh no. I was on the brink of a beef tea for my back. And that seems like a very good moment take <laughs> the fantastic Daisy Campbell and uh, an extract from her show Daughter of Pigspert again apologies for the language but it's an adult show uh, the show's actually finished now but we'll be having a few more highlights from that incredible show uh, recorded live at the British Library in London uh, next week. Uh, don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch, you can uh, radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk. I'm up to me for uh, open word, me speakeasy cabaret. I've started a new um, sort of open word, open mic? No, 
Free word, spoken word. Oh, I've got to get my words sorted before I do all this, haven't I? So I'm off to do that now. If you'd like to know more, then please do get in touch. Failing that, I'll see you next time. Have a great week. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Resonance 104.4 FM.